Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. It's Cage Rage, episode 9, about time, Daryl, I mean, Jesus Christ man. Hi, hello, how are you? It's Daryl, and we're back, finally, we're back with episode 9 of Cage Rage, and Nicolas Cage podcast, how are you? How you been? It's been a long time, hasn't it? Eh? Technically season two, are we doing anything different? Not really, but it sounds good. It makes it seem like there's been progression, and there probably hasn't. You know if you listen to it. Uh, so where have I been? Nowhere. Not been anywhere, really. Uh, just not had internet for two weeks, so that was uh, that was exciting. Played a lot of board games, watched all the John Wick films. Um, really good. I had, uh, had a five guys the other day. Good, you know, uh, just just lived life. Um, such a first world problem, isn't it? Just pining, pining to see what uh, how many people on Facebook I know were racist. Uh, but there we go. That's the year we live in, twenty twenty. That's not been good. <laughs> not been good, has it? It's been so progressively shit that we all forgot Australia was on fire in January. Australia was on fire and we just forgot about it because everything got worse. Everything got worse. The only good thing for me, and this is a you know a very selfish point to make, I admit, but Ian's gone back to work and that means uh, less chance of being caught by him on a daily basis telling me about his day. You know, uh, he did catch me with an annoyance the other day, though. Um... Had to go outside to meet the food delivery man, uh, ordered a pizza. House is a little bit difficult to find if you've not been on the road before. And I'm trying to get back into the house. I'm on the doorstep, foot's inside the door, door's ajar. Um, I'm holding some toasty pizzas inside, and Ian thinks that's the appropriate time to step out and try and have a small conversation with me, as I'm also trying to keep the cat in. Um, he can see that I'm in distress, I'm hungry. I've got a tiny animal that's trying to run out and have a fight with the neighbourhood cats because for some reason the front garden is the cat fight club of this area. Next door's cat uh, looks like fucking Cartman. Apparently has some problems with its back legs, had to go to the vets. It used to be the king of the cats in this area. But I saw it chase another cat. I've seen it jump on fences. Did you know that cats could lie about medical illnesses? Did you know that cats could lie? I know that now. And I've not even seen the film Cats. I want to. I want to see them shaking their tiny little Jason Drulo cat nubs about. Um, But there we go. Have you been? You've been alright? You've been good? Um, Yeah, internet's back now, so that's good. Episodes are going to continue as per. Probably going to be more released on the weekends now. Uh, on a Monday to Friday schedule, getting them out and having time to do them throughout the week is a little bit challenging, so I expect these to be released more frequently for weekends 
going forward. And we'll get the admin out of the way as well. Uh, as ever, you can follow this bloody ridiculous show on Twitter, at Cage underscore podcast, uh, on Instagram, Cage Rage Pod. It is on YouTube as well. I will finally look get around to getting the uh, old episodes put up on YouTube. Now my internet can actually handle it. Um, cheers, Richard Branson. Thanks for that. Nice of you. Uh, a bit of Richard's Wi-Fi. Old Dicky Whiff. Get some Dicky Whiff. <laughs> Dicky Whiff. Um, so that's 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 really good. Um, and then there's probably some of the social media for getting it. The Spotify, of course. Uh, will be there. Uh, we'll say just apologies about the last episode, the Raising Arizona episode. I have no idea why the audio ended up so quiet. Uh, I think it was some issue with Audacity that I was running. But seems to be fine now. Touch wood. Uh, but most episodes, something with the audio goes wrong. There's either a car alarm going off that I don't hear, the cat's meowing to come in. All the technicals just fucked me over. 2020. 2020. Uh, bigger issues, obviously. Um, please do support the Black Lives Matter movements wherever you can. Uh, plenty of petitions that you can sign online. A lot of good causes you can donate to. Uh, write to your MP as well to stop telling them uh, to tell them to stop being such a, a fucking asshole. Um, Michael Fabricant, you wig wearing piece of shit. You can stop. Andrea Jenkins, my local MP, she's a loser. A lot of Tory MPs in the area, um, back home and where I live now. But that's by the by. That is uh, the local MPs. That's by the by. We move on to episode nine. And this is the final 1987 film of Cage's career. It's Moonstruck, which is also starring the Queen herself, Cher, no less, American romantic comedy film, directed by Norman Jewison, written by John Patrick Shanley, about a widowed Italian-American woman who falls in love with the hot-tempered, you guessed it, Nicolas Cage. So it was released December 16th, 1987 in New York, nationally in 88, January 15th, and was nominated for six Oscars at the 60th Academy Awards, including Best Original Screenplay, which it won, Best Actress for Cher, which she won, and Best Supporting Actress for Olympia Dukakis, which she won. As I'm sure you're aware, Nicolas Cage was cruelly snubbed, but of course he didn't want to take the limelight away from Cher, who puts up a great performance. Cage, however, was nominated at the Golden Globes that year for Best Actor in a Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy, where again, cruelly snubbed, didn't win, and whoever did win it, you think I bothered to look that up? I didn't do it. I'm not going to do it, because I don't want to waste my time and the person who took Nicolas Cage's award away from him. That fucking loser. So, Moonstruck, a lot of acclaim, a lot of good press around this. Uh, just finishing watching it now, just come up straight to get this recorded. Major critical and commercial success, lots of positive reviews. Rotten Tomatoes, the film holds 93% up on there. It was the fifth highest grossing film of the year at the North American box office and it's given uh, a review saying energetic performances from Nicolas Cage and Cher exuberantly funny tribute to love of one of the decade's most appealing comedies so wide release opened at number three spent 20 non-consecutive weeks in the top 10 finally grossed over 80.6 million dollars from a budget of 15 
an audience poll by CinemaScore gave the film an average of A- on a scale of A plus to F. Now, the uh, my review, of course, will come at the end, but let's just say it's a Nicolas Cage film, so of course it gets 10 out of 10. What are you talking about? I uh, really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the film. It was... I like to consider this an interlude between what's about to come next. Uh, Vampire's Kiss is the next film on this list, which, you know, I'll, I won't go too much, but if you've ever seen any memes of Nicolas Cage, then this is that's where those films... Uh, give us those memes. Um, so between Raising Arizona, where everyone's kind of crazy, and where we're about to go to with Vampire's Kiss, this was uh, very, very calm in comparison for Nicolas Cage. A good performance, all the same. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. So we've got Cher starring here, and Nicholas, Do you believe in love after Hog Cage? So right at the start, we've got uh, that's Amore playing when the moon hits your eye. So you know we're getting very Italian. I'm doing the Italian hand meme thing right now and obviously this is an audio medium you can't hear what I'm you can't see what I'm talking about but you know what I'm talking about because you've probably done it too because in 2018 maybe even 2019 that meme was shit hot so Cher is a bookkeeper called Loretta old Lozzie Cher she loves flowers but I have a feeling that the one thing she's going to love more is a Nicholas Cage hogger. The Nicholas Cage hogger. Hey! At a dinner with a boyfriend, uh, Johnny, he proposes. There's also an Italian waiter called Bobo. Um, I just wanted to, I just wanted to point that out because if I, if my name wasn't Daryl, then I would like to have hoped that I would have been called Bobo, Bobo Edge. Um. I would have been called Alfred, not Bobo, but if it was in a top five list of names, I would like to think I'd, Bobo would be up there. Loretta tells Johnny that a real proposal would see a man kneeling down and offer a ring of engagement. So she's got this jerk on the ropes, and I, personally, stand a queen. And I hope you do too. But nonetheless, even though she's made him work for it, and she's made him grovel, Bobo gets the all clear to get them some martinis because Loretta accepts and says yes. So good on everyone. Uh, g- getting married, that's that's fun. That's a good thing to do. Um, still no sign of Nick Cage. So, you know, I'm, I'm gripping my chair at this point and demanding some sweet Cage relief. It's been it's been two weeks, nearly three weeks for me as well, you know. It's been a long time for me as well. I've, I've been just as desperate for the Cage Meister and to get back on the train to True Cage to find just as much as you, uh, you lovely people who who listen to this fucking rabble. So um, going back to Bobo, I just want to say, you know, let's hear it for Bobo, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It's Bobo. Bobo the waiter, everyone. If you want a martini with uh, two olives in it, Bobo, everyone. Yeah! Bobo! Motherfucker. I wish I wish I lived across from Bobo and not Ian. He'd be like, hey, hey, hey! But it's just, oh, I can't believe it. I've got to go and sell mattresses. Fuck off, you cuck. Now, shortly after they've been married, they're in a taxi getting back. Johnny says he's got to, unfortunately, leave because his mother is dying. 
So Loretta says, don't worry about it. I'll sort it all out. We'll set the wedding for a month from now. I'll plan everything. And Johnny's like, okay, that's cool. A month. Now I've never, I've never been married. Um, I don't, I don't know how long a wedding should typically take. I don't think it's a month though. But back in the eighties, uh, the Italian American areas of New York, maybe it was a month. I've not done the research. Do you think I do any research for this? I just wing it and I do it. And you judge me. Who's at the Nicolas Cage podcast you're going to listen to? Huh? Huh? Now, Johnny's last request here is that Loretta call and invite his younger brother, Ronnie, to the wedding. They've been estranged for five years. Uh, We don't know exactly why. But at this point, without explanation into the film, I can only assume it must have been for Johnny questioning the abilities of his brother's hogging. As they say in the Bible of Cage, thou shalt not smite thine cages, hog, for doing so will, will condemn thou as a selfs to naught but a nub for a generation. Page 5, verse 7. It's a real thing. Don't look it up and try and prove me wrong with your screenshots and your laughing, crying faces. The right wing. You know what you do. So Loretta drives to the family home, which has five hounds. Five dogs in the family home. Five. Imagine all the dog shit that has to be scooped from the garden on a regular basis. I've got one cat. A small black and white cat. And I can barely clean the cat shit without heaving. And their logs are nowhere near the size. And speaking of shit, as I gaze out the window of the room where I record this podcast, this echoey room, Eden's got back home. So, you know, I'm not a believer in the great beyond or a higher power, um, or, you know, like the power of coincidence, but I'm talking about shit. And that cuck rocks up. Are you kidding me? God, if you are such an omniscient, omnipresent force, is this a sign? Are you testing me? He's got like a t- he's got a tiny garden, and he he, he got a sp- like this hose sprinkler out for it the other day. What a waste of water! What are you, what are you trying to to moisten here? The grass, that few square feet of grass that you have, are you that bored? Get a laptop, man. Go go on YouTube. Start watching some conspiracy theory vi- videos. You know about I don't fucking know mattresses. You love them so much, don't you? Huh? But that's where you keep your money in the mattress, isn't it, you old man? You old man! Now, moving on, uh, Loretta's dad tells her, don't get married. His explanation for this is that because she's surrounded by bad luck, her previous husband died after two years of marriage, was hit by a bus, killed instantly. He says that he's been married for 52 years and no one's died, so mathematically speaking, his marriage has been... 26 times more successful than hers. Now, I'm not married, and as far as I'm aware, in my 28 years of life, I haven't died either. So as far as I'm concerned, that makes me 14 times as successful as share. How's that for maths? I had to count that on my hands to work that out. That's how committed I was to doing the numbers. Getting the numbers right. 
Because, God, I'm such a big, smart fucking boy. Loretta explains that she doesn't love Johnny, but she likes him, and therefore can't be hurt by him. Can't be hurt if you're not in love. Does she believe in... Now, this sounds like the perfect recipe to me, to be swayed by a cage-style raw dog. When there's no love, and the bun is empty, it leaves room for a dog. Motherfucker, I've just looked up and seen Ian getting fucking dressed in his bedroom window. God fucking damn it. That's going to be burnt into my retinas for the rest of my life. I wish I was dead. Next scene, we've got a group of old guys. It's Loretta's grandfather with some of his comrades talking to each other in a graveyard. Um, they're all, they are all speaking in Italian. There wasn't any subtitles, so I don't actually know what it was they were saying. Uh, it is something to do with persuading Loretta's dad to pay for the wedding. I also think they were talking about Papa John eating 40 pizzas in 30 days. Remember that? 40 pizzas. Remember that when, John, when Papa John, Big Johnny, Big Papa John, ate 40 pizzas in 30 days? I mean, what's the... I'm interested to know what the maths on that is. Right, if we do 40 divided by 30, so he was on average eating one and a third pizzas a day. Now, probably a small pizza. I mean, if you saw the video, did you see how wet he looked? Did you see how wet Papa John looked? He was just dripping. I don't think it was sweat. I'm sure it was pizza grease. God, I could go for a pizza right now. There's a pizza place near where I uh, lived in the Midlands called Number One. Uh, definitely was not the number one pizza, but they had a pizza called the Widowmaker, right? They were so confident about the artery-clogging ability of that pizza, they knew that it would kill husbands. They knew that it would leave women and men grieving at the loss of husbands. Uh, when you open it, it was just a hammer drizzled in melted cheese covered in grease, but they didn't lie about their pizzas. <laughs> So Johnny calls Loretta. He says, look, you got to call Ronnie. Five years is too long for bad blood between brothers. So she finally calls him. And finally, finally, at 25 minutes in, and this is a cage rage history first. This I think this might be the longest we've ever had to wait to get a confirmed cage sighting. 25 minutes in, we finally see Sir Nicholas Cage. Now, admittedly, it is his back and his shoulders is wearing a vest, but from what you see, from that outline that you get, that looking good. Like sweat glistening, breaking the Batman's back level of strength and absolute firmness. If he approached me looking like that, in that guise, I would gladly yield my spine and allow him to snap me like a twig over his knee put me in the fucking trash. Because these are the sacrifices that we have to make, and these are the things that we do for true love on the journey to true cage nirvana. If you've never looked at someone and thought, I would let you snap me in twain, then you've not experienced love. And for some reason, I, just start, I started doing the Italian hand gesture without even realising that. That's how, that's how into this I am. That's how into this I am, with this conveying the message of our Lord and Saviour, the greatest actor of our generation, Nicolas Cage. 
Ronnie isn't interested in the wedding, though. He hangs up. He goes back to shoveling some coal in the pizza ovens. Uh, on the basis he was shoveling coal, and especially in the 80s as well, uh, him and Thatcher would not have been friends. Hey, political humour. Don't ever tell me that my finger's not on the pulse. So, sure, she's a badass bitch, and she says, fuck that noise. I'm going to visit Ronnie in person. And she does. Ronnie says he has no life because Johnny took it from him. He shouts at one of the fellow employees to bring him a big knife so in his own words he can cut his own throat and kill himself. And then she can pass on the message to Johnny at the wedding day because that's just the kind of thing that you just keep to yourself, isn't it? Until you until you get married. Uh, but it seems you know perfectly... Reasonable reaction, in my opinion. Now, he goes on to explain that the bad blood between them is because of an accident. When Johnny came to visit Ronnie, he asked for some bread. Uh, Ronnie put his hand in the bread-cutting slicer machine. Uh, He wasn't thinking, and he maimed his hand. And now he wears a wooden hand, like some kind of dick-swinging Italian pirate. It's a me, a pirate Nicolas Cage, and I come to sleep with your wife, a raw dog. Because of his injured hand, Ronnie's bride to be at the time left him, and Ronnie was left with nothing but his enormous dick. Fucking tragic. I, hearing that story, I had to wipe the tears from my eyes. They go back to his apartment so they can talk in calmer surroundings. Ronnie also has a record player, so massive hipster douche respect from me. We should, I would love to chat with Ronnie uh, about LPs sometime and how, uh, no matter how much you clean them, the records are always still dirty, you're never clean enough. (laughs) A little bit of, a little bit of vinyl record humour though, for the, uh, for the real ones. Those LPs, just never, you can never really get them clean, just like your dad's internet history. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Now, in an attempt to win him over, Loretta makes Ronnie steak and spaghetti, a true Frankie and Benny special, and a whiskey. Now, it's not a crack-crack. It's not a sweet, delicious kraken. It's not a crack-jack, got your back. Oh, not a crack, that's whack-smack. But you know what? I have to dock the meal a few points because of this glaring omission, but I'm also not here to ruin Cage's meal, so I'm going to give it a solid 9 out of 10. I believe it was a raw steak he had as well. I'm more, I'm more of a, a medium, a medium rare kind of guy myself. But you know what? If that's the way that Cage wants his steak, um, he wants the cage like he presents his dogs, raw. Hey, I made that. I made that joke up. I made it up just now, off the top of my head. I thought it, and then I said it. Hey, you like that? You like that? Ah! Loretta presses Johnny about the hand incident. And she tells him that, Johnny, you're a wolf. You're a wolf who cut your own hand as a way to escape from a relationship that he didn't want to be in. Because she admits that she doesn't really want to be in this relationship with Johnny either. And Cage gets so worked up, so emotional about being called a wolf, that he flips the table, open mouth kisses Cher, carries her to the bed, and raw dogs her. So never never tell me that Italians aren't passionate people. Uh, in the midst, in the heat of the moment, Loretta tells Ronnie to take out all of his anger on her in the form of a thorough and proper scene to until there's no anger left. Some say they are still in the midst of hogging 
till this very day. Or as Cher says, a hog me until there's nothing left but skin and bones. And that's what I call a solid day's work at the office. As the Bible of Cage decrees, if the bed be hogging, don't come a-knocking. Uh, there's also a full moon and everyone loses their shit over it. Um, I've talked like proper throbbers over this full moon for about five minutes. The moon is where Ian should live, so that I don't have to hear about how he's gone back to work all the time. He can live with Elon Musk on the moon and eat pizza crusts from Moon Pizza. Uh, speaking of which, today's episode is sponsored by Moon Pizza. It's out of this world. Moon Pizza. Delivery to Earth in 30 minutes or your money back. Moon Pizza. I hardly knew her. Back at Ronnie's flat, Loretta regrets succumbing to the hog and wants to forget all about it. But it's not that easy. I've seen enough cage films to know that once you get hogged, You'll never slog again. Look into that as you will. Now, Ronnie says he will leave her alone, because after that one hog is now in love with her, he will leave her alone in the condition that she accompanies him to the opera. Because if there are two things that he loves, one is opera, and the second is sleeping with engaged women, and I admire that energy. Loretta goes to church to confess her sins, but if being hogged by Cage is a sin in the eye of the Lord, then call me an atheist. If I'm wrong, I don't want to be right. Prior to the opera, Loretta has the grey taken out of her hair, she gets her eyebrows plucked, and, hey look, even though she did before, may I say that Miss Cher, our queen, looks bloody radiant, she looks gorgeous, she's our queen, and we will respect her in all of life's endeavours, and I will not hear a bad word about Cher, okay? I'm just putting it out there, we don't have to be confrontational, for all us all open for discussion, but Cher and Nicolas Cage are off limits, alright? She buys a new outfit, uh, meets Ronnie at the opera, but Cage is in a tuxedo here, and he looks like a regular James Bond. Double O hog, hogging for queen and country. Loretta's mother goes for a meal alone, and she's waited on by Bobo. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the stage, Bobo. Give it up one more time for Bobo, ladies and gentlemen. Bobo, there he is. What an act. What an act. What a showman. What a scholar. What a saint. Good old Bobo. Have a toast. Raise your crack-crack glass with ice and a bit of cock-a-dink. Coca-Cola to you and me. Bit of crack crack with cock and dink. To Mr. Bobo. Mm-mm-mm. More than Bobo. So Loretta's mother goes for that meal alone. Now she suspects her husband, who's called Cosmo. What a name. What a name. Cosmo. Bobo and Cosmo. She suspects that Cosmo is cheating on her. Now, spoiler, he is. Uh, so, so she's joined by another man who's had a drink thrown in his face. He's a some university professor who's trying to chat up the students. You, you know the type. You know the type, don't you? So these are these are all very tangled webs that we weave at the moment. The tangled webs that are weaved, and that's a quote from Italian Spider-Man. The, uh, the gentleman explains that he chases younger women because he's a, he's a fucking creep or something. I don't know. Um, he's not Nick Cage, and I'm not interested. But to recap the... The triangle of 
madness that's going on at the moment. Cher is cheating on her fiancé with his brother, that's Nicolas Cage. Cher's father is potential. Cher's father is cheating on Cher's mother, and now Cher's mother, knowing of her husband's infidelity, is seeking the comfort of a man who pursues other women. Everyone is raging. My god. The opera moves Loretta to tears. I think Ronnie just gets a lob on or something. We all react in different ways, and that's fine, unless your reaction is racism, or you're a cuck, like Ian. Now, after the opera, Loretta catches her father with the other woman, and she does not, she does not, look happy. Lozra and Ron Ron walk back to Ron's apartment. Old Lozra Cher McGee objects to some Ron John, but Ronnie wants to bang again. Uh, you know... We know we know how it works at the moment. This is what he wants. This is what he does. Is it in the script? We'll never truly know. But Ronnie explains to her that life isn't supposed to be perfect. In life, you're supposed to mess things up. Life and love make things a mess. And all the storybooks and the fairy tales and they are bullshit. So on that logic, he says, "Get in my." He says, "Get in my bed." He shouts at her to get in his bed. That's how passionate. And furious he is to get his end away and do some do some proper throbber uh, hog rocking with her. It is a very compelling and passionate argument, to be fair. So after some reluctance, she takes him by the wooden hand and is led into his apartment. And let me tell you, that's not the only bit of wood that got grabbed that night. But dum I make these jokes up by myself. On that same night, Johnny returns and gets a taxi back from the airport to Loretta's house. Johnny tells Loretta's mother that his mother has recovered as if by some miracle. She asks Johnny the same question that she asked the uni scholar person earlier about why men chase women. And Johnny, looking to the Bible, says, Well, God took a rib from Adam to make Eve, and maybe men need women because that's how they become whole again. And as to why men need more than one woman, it's because they're dead inside. And that's from the Bible of Cage, Raw Dogging, verse 3, chapter 2. Good lord. But we're all, we're all more open-minded than that now. It's, um, the raw dog rules the roost, and that's why we're in the situations that we're in. Loretta does go home the next morning, post-hogging, Got a love bite on her neck. The stamp of approval from Mr. Cage. Ronnie also arrives, also with a love bite. And he graciously accepts a hot serving of oatmeal from the family. Some post-hog oatmeal. Ain't that nice? What's your post-hog dinner? What's your post-hog snack of choice? Mine, of course. <laughs> a lovely double crack crack with ice. Not sponsored by Kraken. I hope to be one day, but I'll keep going on about it until then. What's your post-hog drink and meal of choice? Answers on a postcard or get in touch at the usual social medias at cage underscore podcast on Twitter, cageragepod on Instagram. Or just, um, I don't know. Um, draw a picture and I'll guess what it is. That'll be alright, won't it? Bit of fun, bit of interactivity. Now, the grandfather from earlier, who was talking about Papa John, uh, finally confronts Cosmo and says to him, Look, you, you are going to pay 
for Loretta's wedding, and Cosmo concedes. Loretta's mother also confronts Cosmo and asks him point blank, Look, I know you're cheating on me. I don't know if you think I've been a bad wife or something, but you're going to stop seeing that other woman. And despite slamming the table out of protest, he agrees. So they got over that in about 10 seconds, all of the build-up, and it was completely diffused in a very, very civil manner in about 10 seconds. So there you go. Now, whilst this is happening, Cage is just still eating oatmeal. Um, He'd give a shit. No drama can stop Nicolas Cage from filling his belly, but man needs his raw dogging energy. Man's got to get them oatmeals, y'all. I will never say anything like that again. Johnny does finally turn up, and the building up to the whole family confessing to Johnny that I've been that Cher's been with Ronnie and that they can't go ahead with the marriage. But Johnny beats her to the punch here and says that he can't marry her because his mother was dying. And then when he told her that they were going to get married, suddenly um, she seemed to be better again. So he's just a bit concerned that if he does marry her, that his mother's going to die because that's. Italian witchcraft, I suppose. I don't know. Probably some kind of Disney bullshit. But they do end the engagement, and suddenly, while the corpse is still fresh on the ground and warm, Ronnie jumps in, takes Johnny's ring from Cher's hand, and gives it back to her to propose to Loretta. Uh, They've known each other in film time at most three days. Maybe even two. Uh, ridiculous, but Nick Cage is the ultimate opportunist. And why are you going to tell him that he can't, he can't marry a recent a woman who's recently had her engagement broken off? Now, if I was married and Nicholas Cage came over and ate oatmeal in my house, and then looked at my wife and said, uh, "Can I marry your wife?" I would just pack my stuff and leave. I'm not going to get in his way. And if you think that's a false reaction or that I'm overreacting, I'm sorry, but you are wrong. You couldn't be more wrong. So the family asks Loretta, like, do you love Ronnie? And she says, yeah. You know, we've hogged twice. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty into this guy. He's <laughs> pretty into you as well. Now the family cries out of confusion and they all toast to each other. And then an Italian opera cries out in front of the strangest and perhaps most awkward family dynamic I've ever witnessed on screen. Uh, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all, because Nick Cage is the victor. He got the girl, he hogged her twice, she took his wooden hand in marriage, and the lesson here? Now, when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. But when Cage sees your wife, you're about to be divorced. Mamma mia. 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 And so that brings... <laughs> Got him, hilarious. That brings us to the end, quite succinctly, of episode nine of Cage Rage, a Nicholas Cage podcast. Uh, I have missed doing this and chatting utter bullshit. I have noticed as well that the episodes have been getting gradually shorter. I think it's probably a better thing. Keep it a bit more, a bit tighter. Um, So probably expect the episodes just to be a bit shorter going forward. It just makes it 
Just makes it easier, doesn't it? Let's be honest. You're not listening to a whole hour of this shit. Why would you? I wouldn't. That brings us to the end. You can probably hear the cat meowing outside because she wants to come in, so I've got to go and attend to that. But thank you for listening. Thank you for waiting patiently and coming back to the the true cage train. There's no other cage trains, but they're all the false prophets. Thank you for joining us back on the journey to true cage nirvana. We will be back at some point next week, probably on the weekend, with the 1988 film Vampire's Kiss. Oh my god. I can't tell you how excited I am. And this is going to be one of the, the first films of this show's progression that I... It's going to be it's going to be a challenge to get through for a lot of people. I'm not going to lie, but this is one of the first Cage films that I fucking implore you. Please just find a way to watch this film. Like, not just the trailers, not just like a best of thing on the internet. Find the full thing. You can probably get the DVD on Amazon for like a quid. It's going to be so worth it. Uh, I hope you can see you then. But until then, keep on, keep on, Cajun. Bye.